many of our core money beliefs are set around age seven, research shows. And so what you have is you kids hear things or they see things and they're trying to create order out of chaos. So they make a big assumption. They see something and they make a big assumption to create order. And then that narrative plays in the back of your mind subconsciously. And the way our brains work is we look for proof of the things that we already believe. So your brain is discounting things that don't align with that seven-year-old view and really focusing on things that do. Listen, lady, you're capable, smart, and driven. Then why do you feel so overwhelmed? Hi, I'm Ruthie Parikh, mom of two, wife of one, best-selling author, and former perfectionist. Okay, current, but working on it. I'm here to show rockstar professionals who are doing it all that you can have an amazing career, relationships, and life by taking control of your focus, habits, and goals. Join me for simple and motivating ways to squash overwhelm and reconnect with what matters most. Welcome to Productivity on Purpose. Chelsea, I am so excited to have you here. As we were riffing just a minute ago, I was saying how just selfishly, <laughs> I am so happy to have you on this show because I feel like I could use you in my life all the time. Um, you are such a um, inspiration to me because I feel like I am not the smartest when it comes to money. And I know I have a lot of just sort of beliefs that are um, that I've been unwrapping like uh, as I've been digging into this more personally in my life and really looking back at signs in, from my childhood and really trying to pull that apart, make sense of it. So um, I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of my listeners are also have gone through this or go through this. And so I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I would love for you to, to start and just tell us like, how did you get into this world? And you're this like ex hedge fund manager and like how in the world did you get to do what you're doing today? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so glad to be here and you're not alone. Dealing with our money baggage is something we all kind of have to go through at some point in our lives. And I find it's really interesting how often entrepreneurship and business and running your own business brings these things up because we have to work through what our own value is and managing money and profitability and all those things, which brings up a lot of of money stories. So for me, I was always really interested in money as a kid. That's just how money works in the world. I read my first economics book when I was 13. I was a weird kid, but that's, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so I read a lot about uh, investing and things like that. I got to college and I really had this pull in two directions. I wanted to go really experience kind of high level finance and how money worked in the world. Uh, but I also really wanted to teach. I love interacting with people. I love helping people learn difficult concepts and breaking it down in simple ways. And so the decision I made in college was that I was going to go to the money finance side first. And I never thought I was going to be there for my entire career till I retired, but I thought I'd be there for 15, 20 years. And then I'd kind of have a second act career. I'd build this real financial stability and move on. What actually happened was uh, I had my first kid. Uh, I, I moved on to, I started in Manhattan. I moved to a hedge fund in Boston. I love my work from an intellectual perspective, but we had our first kid and the work-life balance didn't work for my life. The impact I was having on the world was not an example I wanted to set for my child, right? I didn't feel like I was really giving back in the way that I wanted to. And I had started to see these uh, moms and women. I was in a Facebook group, this funny little group of like 250 women who all had their first kid in the same month I had my first kid. So we were all scattered across the U.S., and I had become the go-to person for these money questions and seeing how much stress money created for women and for moms and seeing how much they wanted more flexibility in how they earn money. And so I started a blog really on the side. The first year I ran the blog, I was doing it at, 
uh, overnight and on the weekends when I wasn't working my hedge fund job, which I was working at a lot. So not a ton of time, but really just started to dive into that other side of money, the family side of money. And could we help more women build these powerful, amazing relationships with money that not only transform their family finances, but pass it on generationally? And so that's where Smart Money Mamas came from. And now we run this whole little platform helping women build positive relationships with money and create wealth in a way that feels good to them. I love that like you saw this need and it it also it was like this organic process for you and really listening to what women need and being able to fill that gap. And I'm just so impressed that you sort of had that vision from a young age to be like, well, I want to first build this career and then move on to here. And you know, and you you've you've done that. You've sort of created your life around this. And so like I that just just that alone is so inspirational. Um, I'm sure and- so I'm sure so many of your listeners will understand that like as a type A high achieving person, when you're 18, 19, 20, you think you can like lay out this whole map, right? Like black and white, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And now I've realized that like, it doesn't always end up that way. And you kind of have to be more flexible than that. But yeah, when I was younger, I was like, I have a vision. So what am I going to do? Yeah, absolutely. And I also love that you said you're really like paving the way for that next generation. Like our money Mm. beliefs are passed on then I think to our kids. And um, my husband, just a, a real quick aside here. So my husband is also an ex-hedge fund manager. Um, he's very money-minded. He's this brilliant finance guy. And sometimes I think he must be like, how did I marry this woman? Because I'm completely the opposite. I don't have a good relationship just with numbers in general. Forget about even money. Like I just look at a spreadsheet and it shuts me down. And I've gotten much better about this over the years, especially as I've grown in business. It's sort of like something I've had to learn. But um, I wasn't... I never, I wasn't brought up with some type of scarcity mindset. Actually, my parents were not like that at all. However, we never had money conversations. It was never like, think about money, how this is, what this is going to give to you. When I was thinking about a career, my parents were so awesome about telling me, just do what you love, do what you love. But like the money never came into it, right? Then money conversation never came into it. And so we are very cognizant about telling our kids, we have two boys now who are teens, one's almost off to college that like, Money is your tool for freedom, right? This is not necessarily, you can go buy your cars and your house and your watch, and that's great if that's what you want to do with it, but it's really to give you the life that you want, to give you the freedom to do with it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my tribe is really into, I think, like personal development, and, and you talk about how the money goals are just really intrinsically related to this. So can you tell us how so and... How can we, I think, show up as good role models for our children too? Yeah. So I think that we've spent far too long trying to separate money conversations from personal development conversations. And this comes in when you're listening to influencers, listening to personal development people that are like, own your worth, leave jobs that don't serve you, you know, all these things. That's great. But if you're stressed about where your next paycheck's going to come from, if you're stressed about how you're going to pay your bills or how to pay your kids' school tuition or whatever it is, you're not in a place where you can do that, right? And that personal development lands really hard because you feel like you're screwing something up. And so we get so many women that come into our community who are like, I have read every book by Brene Brown and every book, I am here, I'm showing up, and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. And so what we talk to them about 
is we actually talk about the money hierarchy of needs, which everyone's familiar with Maslow's um, generally, which is the, the set to get to self-actualization and the best version of yourself. And we talk about it in that each stage of that is really a different level of financial freedom. And when you can start to think about it that way, you're better able to see how money builds the life that you want, like you're teaching your boys. And so take that very bottom of the pyramid, physiological needs, keep clothes on your back, food in your mouth, right? Roof over your head. We need money to do that in our society, which means that we have really strong emotional ties to money that come down to like real fight or flight. A lot of times we have fear around money. And when we haven't really plumbed that and thought about that and thought about what security means for us, which is the next stage of Maslow's, what we find sometimes is that we think we're fine. You know, people are like, well, my money's fine. I don't need to worry about it. My money's fine. But what you're not recognizing is if you don't take the time to figure out what does financial security mean mean to me? What, when can I be the most comfortable? There might be a hole in that security. This is actually what we find very often, a hole in that security that when you move on to love and belonging and clout and trying to become the best version of yourself, you keep getting pulled back by this fear that's actually can be a money thing. So let me give you an example, right? Um, someone who grew up at certain points of their lives with food insecurity, right? And so they think they're doing great. They're trying to cut their food budget. They're trying to put more money towards starting their business. They're going to cut their food budget, eat out less, and put money towards their business. What they find is that that works for like two to three weeks, and all of a sudden they splurge. They go to the grocery store, and they fill their cart, and they pack their pantry, and they fill their freezer, and all these things. And when you get down deep into it, what you find is that some of those people, they look at an empty pantry or what they perceive as an empty pantry, even though there's enough to feed them right now, and they get worried that there's not enough to eat, that they're going to have this, the other shoe's going to drop and something's going to happen where they're not going to have enough food. And so they've got to go stuff that fridge. And so for them, what we have to figure out is like, okay, is keeping a chart of how many days of, you know, you, you guys are 10 days ahead on food or 30 days ahead on food. Do you have stuff in the freezer? What makes you feel safe enough that we can then save the rest to go forward. Do you have the right insurance? Do you have an emergency fund? So you feel like as you're starting your business, you know you have three to six months of expenses to kind of fall back on if something goes wrong. What does security mean to you? And then building that foundation so you have the confidence to reach for bigger and better. And so that's where we really start is like, let's build your foundation so that you can take those risks that a lot of personal development people talk about. Can I say, I love that what you're saying is it's tactical. It's definitely a mindset shift for, for sure. It's mindset, but it's, there's true tangible planning um, and like safety nets that you're putting in place, not just like the law of attraction and mm. the abundance mindset, which is important. I agree. But like the safety net, the actual stuff there, I think is what's really going to take away a lot of the anxiety and that overwhelm that we feel. Like you're saying, you know, as we're making these and we have to make big financial decisions as entrepreneurs. That's just part of the deal. And then mm -hmm. when you make those investments, you can make them with so much more, I think, clarity, empowerment, just uh, confidence when you know that those other things are in place, which we're not typically thinking about. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think abundance mindset... Uh, law of attraction, all that stuff is great. Where we sometimes fail with that is that we don't make it personalized. And so we Google like, what are great money mantras? And we try to add them to our routine. But if they don't speak to what our hangups are, it's not going to help. Right? It's not yeah. going to help. So it's really figuring out what are you saying to yourself that's not right? And how can you tweak that to be a better mantra for you instead of just picking the best one that you see online, right? We have to find it personalized. And when it comes to money, 
in business, we do have to make big financial decisions. And so we see a lot of women who believe that they're bad money managers, that if they're given control of a lot of money, they're going to screw it up. And so when it comes time to negotiate a big deal or a big contract, they self-sabotage, right? Or they make it so they don't get chosen for that contract because some part of their brain is afraid of that amount of money. And so money mindset work is so important for entrepreneurs to make sure that you're giving yourself the ability to become the best business owner you can be. Yeah. So this reminds me, okay, I remember when I was starting a business, you'd always hear like, a, you know, we're reading all the books, and the blogs, and a lot of times people would say women have this fear of success or just entrepreneurs in general have this fear of success. And I always like, I don't understand that. That makes no sense. I don't fear of success. I can't wait to be a millionaire. I can't wait to hit six figures. Like, you know, what is that? And then you kind of, that was a naive kind of approach, right? I was just starting and you get deeper and deeper and you're like, oh, I see. I, 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 you know, portray these like self-sabotaging behaviors or I don't show up or I'm not visible or all these other ways we kind of play small. And so I feel like this is so similar in this fear of money, right? Like how you're talking about, but people think, I don't have a fear of money. I want to make a million dollars. I want a lot of money. Like that doesn't make any sense to me, but really there is this, this fear, right? This fear of like, I can't manage it or I'm not good with it. Or uh, how do I handle it or whatever, everything that you've been talking about. Um, and this can really impact the way that we make decisions and, and how we show up, I think, in our businesses. I think this keeps us really playing at a level, like not at that CEO level and really more as like the doer um, instead of like really empowering ourselves to show up as the leaders. Um, so to me, I feel like it's a really powerful form of um, of leadership and empowerment, but also like even self-care because then you start yeah. really loving yourself more. Like, what do you think? Like, I don't know. You just feel a lot better about yourself, right? If you're feeling like you're good with your money. Yeah. So money is a powerful form of self-care. And I want to touch on that. I want to tell you a quick story because that fear of success thing is really interesting where I have a a good friend, business owner that a couple years ago, we were doing some money mindset work with her because she started her business. It was successful really quickly, which is great. She built this business. She never thought it was, she was going to build. But then as she's like three years into her business and a couple of bad things happened. Her uh, spouse had a business failure that caused a lot of of issues. Um, Her father passed away of cancer. And she was in this place where she wanted to shut her business down in response to this. And so we were trying to talk through, why would you give up this thing that's bringing all this money into your family right now? And what she said was, I feel like my success brought me this. And I was like, okay, (laughs) why? And so as we start, we talked about it for a long time. And what she came to is that she thought she held this belief that money was evil and that successful people were bad people and all these things that she learned in childhood, right? Because she didn't grow up with a lot of money and the way her parents talked about people who were successful kind of rooted this in her. And so to her, her success had brought this negativity into her life. And we had to think about, we had to sit down and really do mantras and practice around all the beautiful things and all the freedom that this business had brought into her and why that didn't, that belief didn't actually tie to who she was. But we, she had this amazing, she still does. Her business has grown. She's doing amazing. But at that moment, she wanted to quit because of this kind of fear of what success was bringing her. And so we do see that a lot. Um, yeah. I can, I can absolutely see it. I can relate to it. I can see clients of mine who have this, the same kind of thought patterns, beliefs. Um, it's like really tapping into even being aware of that. I think that's where you come into. It's like, we don't even know, we can be our own worst enemies, right? So we don't even know that that's happening because you need someone from the outside to really tap into and be like, ah, I think this is actually what's going on lady. Right. And, and bring that out. And then 
it's like all this clarity and all of a sudden you connect all these dots. You're like, oh my gosh, that's why I, I make this decision or why I was feeling this way or why I decided to do that. It really has nothing to do with, you know, um, how successful I can be, but it's just like the thoughts and the beliefs I have behind it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just awesome. And it is hard to see. You need somebody to help you to figure out what it is because it's not like it's some big flashing neon sign that you're just kind of like putting blinders on and ignoring. Many of our core money beliefs are set around age seven, research shows. And so what you have is you kids hear things or they see things and they're trying to create order out of chaos. So they make a big assumption. They see something and they make a big assumption to create order. And then that narrative plays in the back of your mind subconsciously. And the way our brains work is we look for proof of the things that we already believe. So your brain is discounting things that don't align with that seven-year-old view and really focusing on things that do. And so you need somebody to help you kind of peel back what could be decades of what your brain views as proof that this is true, that you're bad with money, that money is evil, that whatever it is, it takes some work and it takes somebody else to say like, hey, I'm seeing a pattern here in how you're making decisions. And so that's what we do in our membership. That's the kind of thing. But you you mentioned Mm -hmm. self-care. And so money is a tool. It's exactly what it is. And money can help us create the lives that we want. And when we take the time to pay attention to our money, where it goes, we can really start to pay attention to what feelings is our money bringing for us? Are we using our money in ways that bring us joy, that bring us comfort, that make us feel secure or charitable? You can kind of pick your words. And then you're starting to use that money in the way that aligns with your values and who you want to be, right? And so one exercise that could be helpful is to print your last month of expenses and really make a mark. Like you just take a green highlighter and a red highlighter. Do you have a positive memory of this or a negative memory of this? And start to see how often are you spending money on things that either have no impact for you or negative impact for you just because they've become habit or it's the societal norm. And start to shift just a few of those red things towards more green things, and you'll find that your money is doing more for you even when you're not yet making more. And then as you do make more, as your business grows, you can put your money into places that is creating the life that you want now and in the future. I love that. I'm such a, I'm always touting visual reinforcement. And I do think it helps you to have clarity on where, why you're making your decisions. And it really does tie you to your emotional state, mm-hmm. which I believe, and I'm sure you do too. I mean, this just helps in all of your decision-making and productivity and just joy in your life. And when you can really tie it emotionally, those decisions, then you can feel much better about it, feel more empowered. And, uh, you know, or like you said, see some of the, more of the red ones, like, this isn't making me feel great. Let's tap into that. And how do I make some adjustments or changes or tweaks there so that I'm using it in a way that makes me feel, you know, just more, I guess just makes me feel better the way that I'm actually using it and, and I'm more positive about it. And there's so many ways we can trick our brains into, so there's going to be expenses, right? That maybe we don't feel awesome about our mortgage is more than we want it to be, or, you know, that health insurance expense that everybody makes you a little bit nauseous because it's so high every month, right? That can be as simple as in whatever budget software you use, whatever thing, changing the name, changing it to something else, right? Like changing health insurance to uh, healthy, thriving living. And that that every month when you put money into that category of the budget, you are telling yourself, I am putting this towards healthy, thriving living. When I put it towards um, you know, my mortgage, instead of it saying mortgage, saying home base or whatever it is. So for us, we're big Harry Potter fans. And so our line item for our mortgage in the budget is called the borough, right? And so it's just these little things that some expenses you have to make, but you can elicit the emotions that are the reasons you're really spending that money, right? Um, why is it important to you beyond the dollar value in those in those instances where maybe it's not as easy to change, but you can change 
your relationship to why you're spending that money. That is brilliant. I have never heard anyone say that in that context. I would never even occur to me to go into my billing statement and change yeah, mortgage or um, like you said, your health insurance stuff was thriving living. I mean, I'd love that. It's funny because I do that with my, uh, my, I don't have a to-do list. I have an accomplishments list. Mm. And so it just, it's just that little change and I look at every day and see here's everything I'm going to accomplish. And so it, it is, it's just that little twist makes it so much more positive or it again connects you back to how you're feeling about it, why this is important, why it's relevant, that bigger why in your life. I love that. You mentioned um, something, so whatever software you're using, something is out there. What, so the software I've been hearing, this is now, um, so I always believe in threes. So from two people, I've heard about this recently. And then I saw it on your site as one of your top tools. And that was the needed, um, you need a budget Mm. software. What do you think about that? Do love it? Should we be using it? I have not using it yet, but I've heard from two other colleagues are like, this has been amazing. Tell us your thoughts on that. So YNAB is an incredible software and really forces you to change the way you think about money. Um, I have used YNAB since I was in college. I think it's a fantastic tool. What I will say is that it's more hands-on than a lot of money services. Part of the reason that it works is because you are going to have to categorize every expense that you make. You are going to have to click on it and give it a category, and you're going to plan your money that you already have. So instead of trying to budget forward, what a lot of people do, like, hey, I think I'm going to make this much money in October, and so this is how much money I can spend. YNAB says you have this much money in the bank. This is how much you can budget. And as more money comes in, you can budget further things. And so you avoid kind of credit card debt and credit card churn. You're only spending money you already have. And so that can be a really powerful tool. Um, But in some places, it causes, it does mean you have to go categorize a lot of expenses. And so I actually, we've shifted in the last year to using a dual method where we use YNAB for all our long-term planning. So things that happen irregularly, like uh, car insurance, which we only pay every six months, or property taxes, all of those things live in YNAB. But then we use a tool called Cube uh, to manage what would be our day-to-day expenses. And so the way Cube works is that you get a debit card, but your base amount on your debit card is always $0. And if you want to spend money, you open the Cube app and you click which category you want to spend money on. And it it fills the card with the money from that budget category. You can swipe, pay whatever the bill is. And then it goes, the rest of the money goes back into your Cube that's relevant to like groceries and your card goes back to value zero. The reason this is great is there's no updating. You have to look at your budget before you spend money because there's got to be money in the queue for you to spend. Mm -hmm. And for my husband and I, what used to happen is, let's say groceries. I'd update the budget months a week and we'd have a weekly budget meeting. But if it was midweek and I'd already gone to the grocery store a few days before and then he went, we might go over on a category. I'm using groceries because that tends to be what people are most often using. Mm -hmm. With Cube, if I go to the grocery store on Tuesday, it automatically reduces what's available in that cube. And he can look and say, oh, there's only this much money left. Like maybe we should eat something that's at home or do something different. And so there's less conversation, less updating that has to happen with all the kind of regular expenses. So both are really great tools. I think you have to know what your personality is. If you're somebody who's super detail-oriented, super type A, likes to be really in the weeds, YNAB's a great tool. If you're somebody who just has a few problem categories, hey, I tend to overspend on clothes and dining out and groceries, Cube is a great tool because it's going to force you to have some limits um, without all the daily updating. And so do you have a separate, let's say if you're using Cube, do you have a separate account for your everything for home and then a separate one for work? 
So yeah, so work budgets and work money should always be completely separate. Um, just for tax purposes, if you have an LLC, they have to be because otherwise mm-hmm. you're piercing the veil and your LLC doesn't actually pr- protect you anymore. Um, so for work, we use Quicken to do bookkeeping, which is backward looking, and we use YNAB to do profit first, forward looking, um, is how we budget for the business. For home, we use YNAB and Cube in tandem. Okay. So cube, you're not using for work. So I was just trying to think of how this would be for work. No, that would be very difficult for work. It's meant for, it's meant for home. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, do you do a separate one for that? Okay. So you're using, um, but, but just to be clear, uh, YNAB, I've never, I didn't know it was called that. I was like, you need a budget, um, (laughs) is, does not in any way replace a QuickBooks or a FreshBooks just for people, right? It's just, this is like a separate budgeting. This is a a budgeting tool. Yeah. Okay. And I was thinking about what you were saying. I was like, maybe we should change budget to another phrase like because budgets to me sounds also negative like always on a budget like maybe it's your it's your happy fund or I don't know what but, but a lot of people like to call it a spending plan um I, I we like have some it. women in our community that call it a happiness allocation I like it. um there's a lot of different names you can call it I personally don't have that negative relationship with the term budget but only because how I think about what my budget does for me has changed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and really developed into like I know that it's bringing us exactly what we want um but yeah changing the language around around budget can also be really helpful that's a really great point you don't have to change the name when you've changed your relationship with it in the first place so I love it oh my gosh we could uh chat about this forever I would love for you to share with everyone, what's the best place for us to be in touch with you? How can we stay connected? Where can they get more of your awesome sauce? I really feel like this is going to resonate so well for so many women. Absolutely. So we're Smart Money Mamas, which mamas is M-A-M-A-S.com. And we're at Smart Money Mamas on all social platforms. I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So you can always come DM me and hang out. And if you go to our website, right on the front page, we have three free resource guides you can pick from. The, the one I'd recommend for this audience is start with your family money values. Figure out what do you want your money goals to be? How do you want to talk about money as a family? It really help kind of set that base to start to build your money relationship off of. I think that's a really great point uh, to, to begin. This was fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, your insights, all the great value that you've dropped here. And ladies, if you if you are hearing this, if you're like, I'm feeling so connected, please go on over, um, check out all of Chelsea's information and be sure to connect with her. Thank you so much. All right, sweet friends. I hope you found this time with Chelsea really valuable. If you like what you've been hearing on this podcast, you're seriously going to love my emails. If you're not on the list yet, what are you waiting for? When you go and sign up at lifeisorganized.com forward slash resources, you'll quickly see why so many amazing women who are juggling it all are showing up week after week to get valuable tips about getting control of their time, day, energy, and thoughts. I promise you, you'll be entertained and you'll also get personal behind the scenes look into my world that I do not share anywhere else. So come on over to lifeisorganized.com forward slash resources and also get your hands on some free goodies like 21 killer hacks to stop feeling overwhelmed, how to finally stop procrastinating and six smart ways to get and stay focused. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for showing up and I will catch you next time on Productivity on Purpose. Bye for now.